you have your Bibles this morning, want to read with us, turn to the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, we're going to begin to read with verse number 1. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, beginning to read with verse number 1. We're grateful for your presence here this morning. You know how to pray. We desire your prayers. Ask you to, to pray for us. Call our name to the Lord. <clears throat> As we stand today to try to, to preach message that uh, you've already gotten a glimpse of just a little bit this morning, but it's uh, the Lord's baked it in upon our hearts uh, here this week, and God help me that, that I can hear what God's got to say myself. Uh, we all need to hear from the Lord today. First Timothy chapter number four, if you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the word of God? 1 Timothy chapter number 4, beginning to read with verse number 1. 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if, refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. Verse number 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of, the, of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege today that we could stand once again to preach the word of God. Lord God, you know our need this morning. You know our desire, Lord. You know our hearts today, and there's nothing hidden from you. There's nothing, Lord, that you couldn't reveal out in the open what's been done in the dark. And God, I know that you know the deepest and most secret thoughts and intents of our hearts this morning. God, sometimes that's so sobering, knowing that you know that. Lord, asking you to forgive me of my failures, the follies, the faults. Lord, the things of my life in which I've let slip throughout time. And God, this morning I sure do need a touch from heaven as I stand to preach. God, I have no ability in my own. God, I have no unction on my own. And Lord God, more than I need a good message today, I need unction from the Holy Spirit of God. God, I need you to take over in this thing and you work and direct in hearts. God, you fix it like only you can. God, help me, Lord, myself to step aside. Just to be the vessel, God, that you want to use, God, that would deliver the message that needs to be heard today. God, I don't want no need anybody to say anything good about me, though my flesh may desire it. God, my spirit man knows what's needful. And God, help us to make much of the Lord Jesus more than anything else this day. Help us, God, to exalt your holy name to make much of you. God, speak to hearts, God, like heaven only can do. 
convict the sinner, God, draw the saint to repentance. Help us, Lord, to leave different we came today. And I'll bless your name, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Some very familiar scripture this morning that we have read in the Word of God. The Apostle Paul speaking in the first letter that he wrote to Timothy, and he says to Timothy in this first chapter, in chapter 4 and verse number 1, he said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Now we already heard this morning that there needs to be a lot of attention given to the Spirit of God. Uh, the Spirit of God speaks. I'm glad that I can hear the Spirit of God. I hear what the Scripture said where Paul or where, where Jesus speaking to the Revelation or in the Revelation to the churches of Asia. And he said there that he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Uh, he that hath an ear, that don't mean the ear that's hanging on the side of your head, by the way. Uh, that don't mean the one. Some of us have got big ones, some got little ones, but I'm talking about the the ear that goes into the heart of man, oh, that part that speaks to the, to the spirit man, he that hath an ear. And Paul said that spirit speaketh expressly that in latter days or in latter times, some, he said, shall depart from the faith. Well, I believe we look around the house this morning and we can attest to the fact that some have departed from the faith. Amen. Well, some have left. Some have laid down uh, on God. They have forsaken the things of God. A lot of folks think they've done God a favor by showing up this morning. In reality, God's gave you gave you a favor and been favorable unto you. Matter of fact, like the girls sing, he's been very faithful to you in order to allow you to make church one more time. There's some of you here this morning that never have been saved. God's been very faithful to you and allowing you to come back to God's house one more time. Some of you that are saved, but you're walking outside of the will of God. God's been very faithful to you in allowing you to come back to the house of God just one more time. There's not a pew that's occupied this morning that the occupant in that place would not be able to say, God's been faithful unto me. God's been very faithful. The Bible tells us that, uh, that Paul said there to Timothy that there would be in latter times that, that some shall depart from the faith. And then he tells us that they were giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. A word that you hear a lot of today is the word apostasy. The word apostasy is thrown around quite a bit and used it real loosely in some areas, in some places, it's become a part of the everyday language of the general Christian. Many may hear it and use it without knowing even what the word means. Apostasy. If I were to ask you this morning, I don't want you to do that, but if I were to ask you to raise your hand if you knew the definition of apostasy, would you be able to do that? Would you be able to, uh, to, to say, I absolutely know what apostasy is. I want you to leave here being able to know. So, so listen here. First of all, the word apostasy means this. According to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it means an abandonment of what one has professed, a total desertion or departure from one's faith or religion. That is what apostasy is. 
and abandonment of what one has professed. Many today have professed that they know Jesus. Many have professed that they've been born again, that they've been saved. But yet in their life, there's nothing that, that resembles Jesus within their life. There's nothing that resembles the walk of God or work of God in their life that would cause others to think that that, that person knows the Lord. And I'll tell you that that person is, uh, is in apostasy. And they are in a, an apostate condition. Some think that only apostates, Brother Joe, are those that have way gone way too far. But I'm here to tell you that you can sit in the house of God and be apostate this morning. <clears throat> you can sit right here today and be apostate. No question about it. Apostasy is in full swing. It's in full power today. There's a total abandonment of faith anymore, especially old-time religion. Many are leaving the truth, if you will, for the sake of offense. Don't, uh, the, the truth offends me. Uh, your, your way of preaching offends me. Your Bible offends me. All of these things are being are offensive, and we live in a society today uh, where that uh, that where that nobody wants to be offended anymore, right? You gotta you gotta soothe everybody. You gotta make everybody feel like, oh well, you know, you deserve a trophy. Everybody gets a trophy anymore. Everybody does good. But if you read what thus saith the word of God and what God said in His Word is that this word is going to stand when all the world's on fire. Uh, this word's going to stand when you and I are gone away. It's been here before we were here, and it'll be here after we're gone, bless God. I want you to know that this morning. Uh, what we need to understand is that, that we need to, to, to line up our lives with this word. Verse 2, the Bible said there that he used the words that seducing spirits. Uh, these seducing spirits, they were giving heed to seducing spirits and, and doctrines of devils is what he said. The word seducing spirits means deceiving spirits. Bible preaching has now become judging. We're getting somewhere. Y'all stay with me. I'm just laying a little foundation this morning. Bible, Bible preaching is, 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 is judging anymore. Why? Because it says sin is sin. Why, why, why is Bible preaching judging? Because it says sodomy is sin. Why is, why is Bible preaching uh, uh, judging? Because it says premarital sex is sin. Because it says it, it says uh, uh, shacking up is sin. It, the Bible preaching has become judging anymore. And it's not me that's, uh, that's being the judge, friend. It's the Word of God that, matter of fact, is already the judge and is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. These seducing spirits, though, want people to say, just work through this thing. Be a little bit more lenient. Be tolerant. Right? Ain't we there? Ain't that the time we're living in? Be tolerant of these things. And, and there is a, a certain amount of, about, about our flesh that would, 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 would speak up and say, oh, you need to be a little more gentle. You know, this thing needs to be a little more gentle. I can recall several years ago, that she, my, my, one of my, my children or, or somebody uh, read a, a post on the on, on Facebook uh, that one of my nieces had placed on there, and uh, that she was looking for a church to go to, and and she says, "I looking for any information. I want a church where my me and my family can go 
and be comfortable. I want a church where me and my family can go and be comfortable. And there's plenty of them. They're on every corner almost anymore. What you going to get when you get comfortable? Just like Brother Bradley said this morning in Sunday school, it's going to put you in the third chapter of the Revelation. It's going to put you right there where many of us are already there anyhow. It just ease our conscience a little because we say that we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Apostasy is taken away a lot of very important teachings that Jesus made as he was here on the earth. Can I say this isn't just in modern day light show churches that apostasy has hit, hit full swing. But it's became a part of old time religion as well. It's became a part of old time religion that I grew up in and that you grew up in. Apostasy is, is taken over. There's many things that, that are more convenient for us. and Well, I'll just go back to thinking about this, and I'll tell you the title of the message in just a second. A few years ago, I was, believe it or not, chasing a calf, trying to get a calf pinned, and that thing had got out from the house, and it was running havoc in the neighborhood, okay? And, uh, and I was trying to get that calf caught, and I ran across one of my neighbor ladies out there, I was on my side by side, and I was uh, trying to get that calf corralled, and she wanted to talk a little bit about church. Every time I see her, she wants to talk about church. And it wasn't long, Brother Joe, in the conversation that she broke down and went to crying. And I, I said, ma'am, I'm wondering what you're crying about. And she said, will you pray for us down at the church where I attend? She said, it's been eight years since I've heard a message on hell. It's been eight years since I've heard hell preached about. A couple of years ago, I was at the house on, on a Saturday morning, and, and a phone, my phone rang, uh, and a gentleman from, from somewhere in Atlanta, Georgia, had called me. And uh, he said, I, are you the pastor of North Spoon Baptist Church? I said, I am. He said, your, your name's Brother Bond? I said, it is. He said, uh, I, I picked up one of y'all's tracks at a tire store in Hattiesburg. And it's a tract on hell. And somebody had left it there, and I picked it up and, and said, Sir, can I find out where to get some tracts like this at? And I tried my best to tell him. And, and he said, I, I, I belong to, to Southern Baptist Church in here in Atlanta, Georgia. Very, very, matter of fact, I'm a deacon here at this church. And, and he said, You know, I can't remember the last time I heard hell mentioned in our church. I want to preach to you, if I can, on the subject this morning of what has happened to hell. What has happened to hell? Because times change does not mean that God has changed. I've been told this, and I believe it to be so. Matter of fact, I've, backed, I've looked it up a few times. That in the, in the preaching of the Lord Jesus while he was here on the earth, he actually mentioned hell double the amount of times that he mentioned heaven. He actually preached about hell more than he preached about heaven. 
It was, a, it was a form of a warning. Why? I remember as a boy coming up and, 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 and coming up in church, and it wasn't an uncommon thing for the preacher just to sit down and go to, uh, to, to digging in on hell and planting there and plowing and preaching hell hot and, and preaching that sinners still go to hell anymore. But today I say on, uh, not only here but, 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 uh, but, but everywhere that my, maybe we go, it's an uncommon thing. I preached a meeting at a church uh, in Perry County about five or six years ago and on Friday night I preached a message just on hell. And I can remember uh, the, the looks that I got and the, the statements that were made after church as, as the people said to me, uh, Brother Bond, you don't realize how long that it's been since we've heard a message on hell. What's happened to hell? Is hell still, is it still available today? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that hell's on fire right now? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that souls still go to hell? I mean, really, do you, I mean, I mean, that judgment day honest, are you really believing that? Y'all recognize anything to that hell thing? You recognize folks still die and go to hell? Don't you think everybody that dies anymore goes to heaven? If you listen to society, that's what you think, don't you? The biggest sodomite in the world can die that's molested 1,900 children. He can spend 40 years in the penitentiary, die, and go to hell, go to heaven according to what mankind would say. Hollywood can teach all the children uh, how to uh, be uh, sodomites and lesbian. They can teach them that it's okay and that the writer of every screenplay uh, can die and according to everybody, they go to heaven. It's amazing that people don't want anything to do with God until they die. They don't want anything to do with him. What's happened, number one, to the reality of hell? The existence of hell. First of all, in a day where everyone wins, we want to think that everyone goes to heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. But according to what I read in my Bible, John chapter 3 and verse number 3 said, except a man be born again. Except a man be born again. In other words, uh, that word except means that this is the only this is the only way this can happen. Except a man be born again. I'm telling you, I remember growing up and hearing preachers preach uh, that except a man be born again. I remember hearing them preach, uh, if you want to go to heaven, you get saved. If you don't, you're going to go to hell. I've had them get right in my face and say, if you don't get saved, you're going to go to hell. My mama didn't get mad. My grandma didn't get mad. The preacher's uncle didn't get mad. The deacons didn't get mad or nothing else. The people stood there and they shouted you on. But today we don't want to hear about hell no more. I can recall going. I can recall growing up in a place when it, that, that preachers would preach on hell, and we would find uh, grandpas and grandmas uh, uh, falling in an altar and begging God, "Don't let my grandchildren die and go to hell. Don't let them go to hell because they could realize and remember uh, that they were one day on their way to hell." You know, one problem I think with the, with the modern day church anymore is because there's a bunch of people uh, that may be sitting in the pews uh, that. It may be going there theirself. Right. Never have been regenerated, never have repented 
They've accepted this uh, newfangled modern way of salvation. Oh, you just repeat this and say this, and, and if you've done that, then you're safe. Can I tell you, I didn't have to have nobody tell me I got saved. Amen. When I got saved, I knew it, brother. God told me, the Holy Ghost of God let me know. I didn't have to have a jack-legged preacher saying, you got saved if you done this. Let me tell you something, what we need to know today is that folks still go to hell and there's no exception to it except a man be born again. He said in John chapter 3 and verse number 7, ye must be born again. You gonna go to hell, friend, if you don't get born again. You're going to go to hell if you don't get born again. Mark chapter 1 verse 15, he said, repent ye and believe the gospel. I'm telling you, there's still a need for repentance in the, in the life of a child of God. There's got to be repentance. What we see today is there's no repentance in this new thing. There's no repentance of it. They leave the same way they came. Nothing ever changes. My Bible said that something's got to change. Amen. The day I got saved, glory to God, something changed in me. It wasn't me changing myself, but it was God changing something in me. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the existence of hell is real today. It's still real. The eternality of hell is still real. Mark chapter 9 verse 44 says this, speaking about hell. Jesus said, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. I know I've heard preachers preach it. I'm not trying to be disgruntled and be, be divisive, but, but the Bible said there, if you'll notice, and I don't know a whole lot about English, but, but the word before worm is the word there, meaning something, ownership, possession. In other words, it must be something that belongs to them. I, I know that I, I know what the what the Greek says, the maggot, the earthworm. I know, but I also know what David said. David said, I am a worm. <laughs> That's what David said in the Psalms. I am a worm. You say, what are you getting at, preacher? When he said, where the worm dieth not, it means that that soul was forever and ever and ever in punishment. The soul of a man that's lost, I believe, is considered to be the worm. And where their worm, Brother Mike, dieth not. He said there that, 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 that it... That, it's not going to burn up in just a few days. It's not going to be relieved in just a little while. It's not going to be alleviated. It's not going to do as what the, 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 the harlot church says. You're not going to go there and spend just a little time and then be released from hell. He said, no. He said, where their worm dieth not. Let me get you to a place. Listen, let me find out. He said in Mark 9, 46, the same thing, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. In Mark 9, 48, he said, the same thing where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched then we go to Mark chapter 3 verse 29 Jesus said here but he that blaspheme against the Holy Ghost uh, hath never forgiveness but is in danger of listen eternal damnation eternal damnation what are you getting at preacher 
All I know is eternal damnation means eternal damnation. Many have the view that hell isn't quite that bad. And you can probably get out of it after some time. But my Bible says it's eternal. It's eternal damnation. Those of you that said here today that you've never been saved. You've never been born again. Swelling up inside of you is pride that's kept you from ever trusting the Lord Jesus. I want you to know there's a special place in hell just for you. You say, preacher, I can't believe you'd say that. I'm telling you that there's a special place in hell just for every every person that denies the Lord Jesus the right to be their Savior. There's a place in hell for you. But I'm glad today that you had not got to go there. I'm glad today that there is a way of escape and except ye be born again. Their hell is eternal. I want you to know there's the existence of hell. There's the eternality of hell. Oh, see there what happened to the, oh, what's happened to the eluding of hell. Y'all heard of Percy Ray. Percy Ray, one of the greatest preachers of our time, of our generation, Percy Ray preached and pastored in Myrtle, Mississippi for over 50 years. Started Count Zion. You've heard of that. During his ministry, Brother, uh, Brother Percy Ray started, organized over 40 Baptist churches in his day. Great, but not talking about the, evan- the evangelical tent meetings that he, that he ran, the, uh, the multitudes of thousands that got saved under him, I encourage you sometimes to go to uh, to go to uh, YouTube and and to look up and pull up a, a message that Brother Ray preached on the red light of hell. Uh, you can go there and you can watch the video, by the way, on the red light of hell. Brother Percy preached that, that message years ago in which he was encouraging uh, where he would plead with a sinner. He would stand uh, uh, there on the stage uh, after preaching about an hour or so on hell. And I'm talking about every facet, every imagination that you can think about hell. He stood on the stage with a railroad lantern and he hollered in that voice that only he had a stop, sinner, stop, a stop, sinner, stop as he swung that light in a dark church house. Uh, you say, preacher, what are you getting at? Uh, that what's happened to preachers crying out and uh, what's happened to people crying out and saying, don't go to hell. Well, I find it's hard anymore. I remember standing in Seth, and Angela, I'll tell you, this is so, I remember standing before both of my children, Brother Bradley, looking at them when they was this tall. And saying, please, please, when the Lord comes by your way, please don't ever turn him away. Please don't ever re- turn him away. Please don't ever reject him. I remember telling Seth, we was coon hunting one night, and we got, and I'd talking to him, and, and he wasn't talking a whole lot back. And I just come out, uh, uh, Miss Arlene, and told him, I said, uh, uh, son, if you die, you can, I can't help that your daddy's a preacher. If you die, you will go to hell. You better get saved. You sit here this morning and you think, well, I, mom and daddy's good. I dress right. I wear dresses and I wear long breeches and I do this and I say the right things. But you can't nail it down whether or not you've ever been saved. 
Whether or not I'm talking about when old time Holy Ghost conviction come over your soul, let you know. I'm not talking about where you've done what a bunch of folks done together or where you wanted to turn over a new leaf, but I'm talking about where you got under old time Holy Ghost conviction. You knew you were going to hell. You knew that you were lost, and you knew that you needed a Savior, and where that you at that time trusted in Christ. Brother Mike, I don't regret that day. Thank God. I can go back to that day, and I know I got saved not because I said a few words, but because I put my faith in the God of glory and what Jesus did at Calvary. I want you to know, had I died before then, I'd have went to hell. You die. In that condition, you'll go to hell. No more eluding people preaching, preacher people telling, people looking at them, oh, preacher, you got to be gentle. Ain't nothing gentle about hell, friend. You, you preach, you got to be gentle. What, what Percy Ray would stand there and preach and, and he'd swing that lantern and say stop sinner stop because his desire was for them to repent and be saved. You see all the while he would say stop sinner stop and then he'd say the way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. He wouldn't just tell them that they go into hell without showing them there's a way that you can escape hell. I'm glad today that the way of the cross does lead home. Encouraging people to elude hell is almost gone astray today. Listen, we're going to get down to where the rubber meets the road today. Y'all listen to me. Put your God-given eyes on preacher right now. Sunday school teachers, if you're not going to come out in the open and you're not going to look your Sunday school pupils in the eyes from this day forward and warn them about hell, you ain't got no business teaching. Well, preacher, mine's just little ones. Little ones, friend, need to know that there's a place called hell and that hell wants them real bad. Mom and dad, you're unfit to be a mom or a daddy if you won't look at your children and say you're going to go to hell if you don't die, if you don't trust Jesus. Preacher, that's tough. That's hard. You don't want to scare your children. I'd rather my children be terrified of dying and going to hell than I had them to, to die with an unconcern about it. Y'all hearing me this morning? I'm asking you what's happened to hell in your life? What's happened to hell in your family? Nearly all of us here this morning got folks in our family going to die and go to hell. Nearly all of us, maybe some of y'all here this morning, they're already on your way there yourself. God's showing you right now that you're on your way to hell. I tell you what you ought to do. You ought to find yourself on your face begging God because hell's real. Friends, are you warning your friends about hell? You call yourself a friend? You won't tell them about hell? What's happened to hell? What's happened to the reality of hell? I grew up in a time when hell was real. But today, folks will say, here, it's a, a derogatory comment, by the way. Y'all listen to me? That's one of them hell fire and brimstone preachers. 
That's derogatory anymore, you know. Everybody wants to be a Joel Osteen. Woohoo, just so it's all good. God loves you, and you be the best you you can be. Ain't no good to you. You're filthy, you're miserable, you're wretched. The best you can do is like an old smutty grease rag. Your righteousness is at the filthy rag before God. Well, I think I'm a pretty good feller. I don't. And God don't. And the Bible don't. I know me. I know that I'd say, oh, wretched man that I am. I know what goes through. I know if it weren't for Jesus where I'd be today. Oh, hellfire and brimstone preacher. I'm glad I grew up under them hellfire and brimstone preachers. I sure am glad what's happened to the reality of hell. Y'all really believe hell exists? You really believe hell exists? You really believe that, that your children going to die and go to hell if they don't get saved? That them precious grandbabies of yours going to die and go to hell if they don't get saved? Your brother or your sister is going to die and go to hell if they don't get saved? Your mama or your daddy is going to die and go to hell if they don't get saved? Do you really believe it? What's happened to the reality? Of hell. Number two, what's happened to the regret of hell? You ever stop to think about, first thing, the tenants that are already there? The tenants that are already in hell. I got to studying this. I was putting this thing down on paper yesterday. In my mind, Brother Bradley went away, went around, and for a few minutes there, I wept. I remember about. 30 years ago, and I told y'all this, when I was pastoring down in Curve, Louisiana, a little 16-year-old girl that walked out of the church house one Sunday morning, weeping, telling me that she was lost and would not take the time for me to help her. I couldn't save her by no means, but her intentions were to come back the next Sunday, and she all but promised me when she came back the next Sunday she was going to get saved. But that Friday night before then, she was coming back from somewhere. And the driver of the car lost control. And her and the driver both died. I preached her funeral in Hanukkah Funeral Home in Slidell, Louisiana. With probably 1,500 young people in the, out there in the audience. Slidell Memorial High School had dismissed for that day so they could come to the funeral. Seventeen Catholic priests out there. And I stood and preached about hell. And I wept about hell. That's been 30, over 30 years ago. I don't know how many years it's been. And I got to thinking yesterday about that little girl. If from Sunday till Friday night she didn't trust Jesus. She's been in hell for over 30 years now. And nothing's changed. Y'all ever had experienced pain? Anybody ever experienced pain? This means yes still. 
What's the only hope you got about pain? Is one day it's going to end. Sometime it's going to end. Ever had have one of them bad headaches? You hit your finger, cut yourself. You have a, a pain somewhere or another. You go find your Tylenol and you eat it. Why? Wanting the pain to end. But in hell, 30 years, she's been waiting on the pain to end. And the pain's not ended in 30 years. For 30 years, she's been waiting on the torments to get over with. Oh, crying and begging God for mercy. But the only place where God's mercy is not is in hell. The only place you'll not find the mercy of God is in a place called hell. She's been crying there. And she's been screaming. And she's been begging. Just for relief, that rich man said, if I could just get one drop. He didn't want a glass full. He didn't want a gallon. He didn't want a fire truck full. He said, just one drop of water. Just one drop. It cooled my tongue. He said, for I'm tormented in this flame. I'm tormented in this flame for over 30 years now. I've got kinfolk, y'all. God have mercy. I've got kinfolk, Brother Mike, that I honestly believe is in hell right now. They've been there, and there's no relief for them. There's no relief for them. They're still on fire. What's happened to the tenants of hell? B, what's happened to the tortures that exist in hell? The fire that continues, the screaming is still deafening. The loneliness. You know, the world's got this view. Well, me and my friends are going to get over and we're going to take over. That's what they'll say. We're going to go to hell. We're going to have us a party. Ain't no partying going on in hell. Oh, no. Ain't nobody else taking over in hell neither. You say the devil, the devil ain't popping the whip in hell. He's on fire too when he gets there. He's going to be cast into the lake of fire. But here again, in hell is that vivid memory. The rich man, y'all recall that when he was there, he remembered that beggar that lay there outside his gate. I got to wondering about why you think he remembered him. Why do you think that rich man remembered him? And here's what I can, I, this, ain't, this is my theory, okay? My theory is that that old beggar laid outside his gate probably told him something about Jesus one day. 
And he knew by the life that old beggar lived, that that old beggar that died made it. And he said, send him. He said, I can just get one drop of water. And it'll cool my tongue. Then according to what I think I read, he also remembered that at his father's house, he had five brothers. And he said, send Lazarus there and let him testify unto them lest they come. Just notice this, to this awful place. We see the fire continues, the screaming still deafening. The loneliness is still heart-wrenching. The memory is still vivid. And here's the catch to it all. Nothing can be done about it. Nothing can be done about it. What's happened to the regret of hell? What's happened to the tenants of that are there? What's happened to the torture in hell? And see, let's look at the targets of hell. Satan's desire, will you look up here at me? Satan's desire is to destroy you, destroy your family in hell. Satan wants your children. You know what a lot of us have done? We've signed him over the rights. I think of folks that you've sat here on a regular basis with good families, with children, that are now reaching the age where they're becoming accountable to their sin. But now they're not in the house of God. You know what's happened? Daddy and mama signing over the rights to the devil. Devil, they're yours. Hell, they're yours. It's yours, hell. You can have my children. Preacher, there's no way they'd say that. They don't have to say it. They're living it. Satan's desire is to destroy your family in hell. He wants your children. Number two, he wants your grandchildren. He wants your grandchildren. He wants your grand. He'll do whatever he can. He's enticing them already. The world is so beautiful. <clears throat> the world is so attractive. The world is crying out unto them, and Satan is enticing them. And it's going to take the hand of God. Brother Ellis Alexander used to say this. He's a, Brother Dean's uh, uncle, he taught Sunday school at Socius several years. He made the statement if you, that, that if you hadn't got them by seven years old, generally, if you hadn't got them trained, generally you're going to lose them. Just an occasion, there's a, there's a miracle that takes place. What's happened to hell? How many of you got nieces and nephews? Anybody? Anybody got nieces and nephews? You got niece and nephews going to die and go to hell? Do you care? Take any child you want to for an example. Satan will do what he can to, to destroy them and destroy their family. And here's what we got to do. We got to stop making excuses and realize that our family is a target. And some of your families have already been hit real hard. You may be the exception in your family. The rest of your family may be on their way to hell. You laying down and taking it like that. Well, that's all it's got to be. What's happened to the reality of hell? 
Watch happen. Number three, what's happened to the rebels of hell? What do you mean the rebels of hell? I'm talking about those that fight against hell. Those that fight against it in the church. What happened to those old saints of God that used to know that people are going to die and go to hell? That the preacher didn't have to get just all but call their name before they went to praying, before they went to squalling, before they went to seeking God, before they started praying and fasting and asking God to save their families. What's happened to the daddies that would stand up and say, I'm going to be a godly daddy. I'm going to be an example to my children. I'm going to pray my children out of hell. I'm going to pray them out. I have a, I had a grandma, bless her heart. She's in glory today. Brother Bradley, it blesses me when I hear you talk about your grandma because I had one just about like you. If she hadn't been for my mama's prayers, I don't know where I'd be today. But I watched my grandma pray for her son. When the world, when everybody else had give up, everybody else had said, no, ain't no hope for him. Grandma died of praying for her son. You say, but she died and she didn't see it. She didn't see it. But about five years later, five years later on a Monday or Tuesday night, her son got gloriously saved. You know why? Because Grandma prayed for him. Mama called his name. She'd say, Bill, please pray for Carmen. I didn't like him. I'll just be honest with you. I didn't like him a bit. He was a smart aleck. I tried to pray for him a few times, but I'd think about how he talked to her and how he'd treat her and cuss at her and everything and tell her how stupid she was. I ain't praying for a fool like that. But she didn't quit. And she'd say, Bill, please pray for him. That was her son. Oh, and she taught me a lesson right there. She didn't quit praying. And finally, that day, he got born again. About two, three years later, he went to glory. And I thought about the reunion that may have took place. <laughs> Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Oh, what the, the reunion that might have took place there that day when my mom saw him know that he had made it by the grace of God. What's happened to the prayer warriors? Old time men of God that would pray and sacrifice to pray that souls could be saved. Hey y'all, you know we have a prayer meeting 15, 15 minutes before church starts and most of you, nine tenths of you don't never even show up for that. Don't tell me how burdened you are over souls. Preacher, you being ugly. No, I'm just telling you the truth. Don't tell me how much you love souls when you don't care enough to pray. Well, preacher, I can pray. I know you can, but do you? What's happened? Percy Ray, again, again, I talk about him a lot this morning, but, but he had a team of men and women when he'd go set that tent up on a, in a place, that, he, that team would come there and they'd spend about a week in nothing but prayer under that tent before the meeting started. I got thinking about the dedication it'd take to do that. And I wondered if there'd be anybody willing to do that today. They wouldn't be controlled by a clock, but they're just praying. What's happened to the rebels of hell, the prayer warriors? 
what's happened to the personal witness. And I'm done. Are we content with people going to hell? Are you content with people going to hell? Nothing I can do about it, preacher. Yet they're used to it. They're absolutely used to it. You see, that's a, that's a way we cop out anymore. Say, ain't nothing we can do about it. Well, you didn't tell my mama all that. She said, there's something I can do about it. I can pray. I can pray. I can witness. Luke chapter 14, verse 23, the Bible said, Jesus said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. But today we're content with the people dying and going to hell. The Bible said Philip, when he heard that, saw that eunuch, when the Lord put him on that eunuch, the Bible said that Philip ran with urgency and joined himself to that eunuch. Told him what had been on his mind. Matthew 25 and verse 13. I'm done. Jesus said, watch you therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour the Son of Man comes. Listen to me. I'm done. I ain't going to make you wait too long. I'm done. Listen to me. Put your eyes on preaching. Don't none of you know here when your time's up. 